Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. Last week, we were talking about his definition of a kairos time to pray. This week, we are going to talk about being, as he would claim, prompted by the Holy Spirit, and also what it is to pray in the Spirit. Now, in his book, he says this, We do not wait for or listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, usually to our own hurt. Now, for those of us not involved in the NAR or this type of charismatic movement, it probably seems like it goes without saying that we hear from the Holy Spirit through God's word. But you've spent some time in that how would they describe hearing from the Holy Spirit? How would we even know if that was true? Well, it it would be uh, an idea, maybe after prayer or a long time of prayer, or um, we had a day of fasting every week in the group I was in back in the 70s. Okay. And then if there's some real problems, we'd stay up all night and trying to get a word from God. Okay. But what exactly is that word from God? And where does it come from? Well, somebody would have, see a vision of something or hear a voice or claim that God told them something. Okay. And then we had to decide, frankly, the categories were wrong. It would be an idea in your brain that is a thought and you think God told it to you. All right. There was no objective uh, angel of the Lord that's tangible saying, okay, here is what you need to do. Here's what's going to happen. And when we're saying that those sort of things are unique to the apostles, the people are call us cessationists and accuse us of uh, not having the spirit or not listening to the spirit or grieving the spirit and um, so forth. But they don't realize how objective it really was in the biblical times. Absolutely. And I, I think we need to realize that the Holy Spirit isn't a metaphysical impression that we wake up with in the middle of the night. Yes. In fact, I wrote an article, several of them, about binding and loosing. Okay. One about personal words from God. Yes. A way better way to do this, and you don't lose anything. A way better way to make decisions is to know what is allowed and what's forbidden. Right. Binding and loosing is either forbidding certain things or requiring certain actions to be done or giving freedom. You're loosed. Okay. So I've written about that several times, including the first two issues of Critical Issues Commentary. So let's apply that. Okay. Let's say this happens to me. I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about a section of scripture I'm going to preach on. And I got an idea 
of some really good application. And I go down and write down what I was thinking about, or even some of these broadcasts, I'll write down an idea. Now, if the idea is biblical, I don't emphasize I woke up in the morning and got this idea. Right. God told you to talk about this. I don't say God told me this is what I have to say. It's the question is this, is it within my liberty as a teacher to make that application because it does follow from the text I'm preaching on and it is edifying to the church. Okay. So that if that's true, then I can do it. I'm not harming anybody by making a decision based on something I thought about in the morning. Okay. Or after a time of prayer, however it works, we need to go by binding and loosing, not marching orders from heaven. There are special revelations beyond scripture. Right. Here's why. If in other cases, the thing that comes into someone's mind, as he's talking about, is Satan is going to do this or that. Therefore, you better bind him. Okay. That's how Dutch Sheets says it. But this is something he can't even know. Plus, he's doing something that I consider sinful. Right. Because binding Satan isn't our job. Exactly. And and he actually says this. So on page 97, he describes a situation. uh, he, He says some might even call it a vision that something like a rattlesnake was coiled at his dad's feet and it was a kairos time to pray. And he spent 15 minutes praying. And it turns out that when his dad had gone out, I think it was gone out to mow. I'm, I don't have it right in front of me. There was a rattlesnake there coiled at his feet. What Dutch Sheets says about that whole thing. And so this is page 97. How did I pray? I asked the father to protect them. I bound any attempt of Satan to harm them. I quoted a verse or two of scripture promising protection. And then I prayed in the spirit. So he actually is applying binding Satan in this way. And he thought he had protected his parents by binding Satan. Right. So that was pretty typical in the charismatic, which I was in for some years. And that's why the first two issues in 1992, I wrote about binding and loosing and pointed out how that terminology is being misused. Okay. And the rabbinical terminology. Binding is binding something as being necessary for the Christian to follow. Okay. Loosing is allowing. Yes. So if the rabbis decided it's a sin to go on Sabbath more than so far uh, with so much weight or whatever you're carrying along, you're bound. You can't do that. Right. The other would say, no, you're loose. You're allowed to do it. Okay. It's forbidding and permitting. And you can look that up any Bible dictionary of the Greek language. There's a there's a, a parable where the terminology is used, but it's used illustratively, not we say words to Satan and that binds Satan. Okay. Because both Jude and 2 Peter 2 forbid that sort of thing. It's not our job to put ourselves in a divine council meeting and tell Satan what to do. 
Exactly. And the point of Job was that Satan asked permission from God. And God granted it. Yes. And Job didn't go from blessed to cursed when God gave Satan permission. Right. He, he was blessed all along. He continued to be blessed because he was in right relationship with God. Yes. And that is a biblical worldview. So the New Apostolic Reformation, the word of faith, the people that claim they got special revelations beyond Scripture are confusing the saints. They're unbiblical. They're doing what is actually forbidden. That's yes. Forbidden. In the book of Colossians, it's forbidden in Second Peter 2. It's forbidden in Jude. Okay. So I've written articles about that. And it's amazing the reaction I get uh, from when I've told people that what they were doing is actually sinful. Okay. And one prophet said, you're trying to crucify me. I've done this and I'm pious and I'm willing to give everything. They can't ever defend their teaching on this sort of thing from Scripture because they're wrong. Okay. They're wrong and unbiblical. And I would like to ask Dutch Sheet, how are you helping the body of Christ by teaching things that are not true? It is not our job to bind Satan, and to do so is in error. Yes. Okay, because it's exalting ourselves and putting ourselves into a position we're not in. And it's trying to go into the spirit world, which we've been forbidden to do. So... I've thought of so many ways to try to help people understand this. Okay. How does God run his universe? You know, the Corinthians, I'm teaching for, through 1 Corinthians right now, and I'm chapter 5. And as we go forward, he's going to tell the Corinthians who are suing each other over in civil suits over disputes because they couldn't solve them. Okay. Don't you know that you will judge angels? Yeah. Well, that has to do with the future millennial kingdom. Right. That's not now. Okay. So if you can't deal with fellow humans and objective teaching in Scripture and understand what is or isn't God's will and even allow myself to be defrauded if, in certain cases if it's for the greater good of the body of Christ, then how is it that we're going to, in the future, be able to have that role? But right now, God has not put Christians in charge of running the angelic realm, be it the good one or the bad one. Okay. The evil spirits, the realms, the, the different levels of spiritual beings which we know exist, it's not our job to rule in that realm because God isn't going to put people who can't see the spirit world. Okay. Are not familiar with how it all works. Are only guessing about what's going on. Are only equipped to deal reasonably and rationally with the objective reality we're in. We read the Bible and that's why we have it translated into the common vernacular so we can know what God said. And so if we can't even do enough scripture study to find out what kairos means in context, 
and then use it to go off on some tangent based on metaphysical impressions from the world of the spirits that we can't even function in. This is unstable instability. This is just never going to lead to anything good. Yes. And I can't say that strongly enough. And I've seen it. I've seen it for 20, 30 years. I still see it. If Dear ones, if you get into that world and you go to the church and it's story time, I did this and God did that because uh, I got a revelation or I bound this spirit and listen to the preachers, you will not be able to be strong, stable, comforted, hopeful, wise, and be able to make decisions within your liberty. They're taking away your liberty in Christ. Right. They're saying you can't decide to go mow your lawn until you find out if Satan has a plan out there to make it go badly. Right. So this, the parents in the situation, they didn't need a special revelation from God about whether or not there was a rattlesnake in their yard. Well, how many things can we worry about? And this is the sort of thing pagan mystics do. They're trying to ward off bad outcomes. Now, this, it's just, it's sad. It really is sad. And I know people that were in those movements with me that finally got over to a biblical worldview. And it's amazing, the hope, the comfort. It doesn't mean we don't go bad through bad things. Okay. We find ways to help each other. Yes. And we don't have more bad things than the charismatics do. Right. Okay. Everybody in this world suffers. And so what does it mean to pray in the spirit? That's, and that's what we need to really spend. We have 15 minutes left. I think it's going to take us 15 minutes to, to talk about that. All right. But I want to make sure we're really clear for listeners here because people do get really confused about that. So the Dutch Sheets quote here was, we do not wait for or listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, usually to our own hurt. You talked about you woke up in the morning and you had an idea for a verse to include in your sermon. We've probably all had times where we wake up in the middle of the night and a friend is on our heart and we think, I just really need to pray for this person. Well, the good thing to do is always to pray for that friend. Yes. That's the good and right thing to do. What we can't know is if that was a prompting from the Holy Spirit, but we can know that God wants us to pray for one another. So that's what we ought to do. Yeah. Rather than trying to get specific revelations that we can't quite figure out what they might be. And they get more and more bizarre when you listen to the, these teachers. Yeah. Just Uh, do what you know is right. Just do what you know is right. And you might think, well, I should send a card to somebody. I think that I know that they're going through a tough time. Yeah. You need a revelation. You can do that. Yep. Within your liberty. All right. Okay. We still take action. We just do it because that is how God works. He gets us to the right place at the right time, not based on our ability to hear spirits which we can't really hear anyhow. Right. So this kind of opens a whole nother topic then of praying in the spirit. And we've probably all heard 
People talk about praying in the spirit as praying in your prayer language. That's a pretty typical uh, NAR teaching. They might say praying in the spirit as receiving revelations. So the question we have to ask, and, and Dutch Sheets says this right here, then I prayed in the spirit. The question we have to ask is, what is praying in the spirit? How does the Bible define that? First of all, let's talk about in the spirit. Okay. There are different ways it's used in the Greek, but usually a dative um, in the sphere of the spirit. Okay. What we've said is that those who are converted and born of God are filled with the spirit, are walking in the spirit as they live and trust God and serve Christ. Right. Okay. And the issue isn't that we're in the realm of the spirit and then we're out of it and then we're back in it and then we're back out of it. The spirit of God indwells the Christian. Okay. okay. So our prayers that are according to the truth and according to what the Bible tells us prayer is all about, it's relational, it's not based on secret knowledge, is praying in the spirit. Okay. Now, in Corinth, now that's why I'm preaching through Corinthians now, they were very confused about what that might be, and they were status hungry. All right. Who's the greatest? Who's spiritual? I'm a Paul. I'm Apollos. And so the point of Corinthians is that they were uh, claiming to be spiritual, but ironically were carnal. Right. Okay. And anyone serving God humbly and graciously with whatever gift they have, is spiritual. Okay. And only God knows how well each one of us does with whatever gifts he's given us. And that's very clear in 1 Corinthians. Okay. They wanted to have status. They wanted to be the great, powerful ones, the ones with the best gifts. I'm like this. I have this power. I have this great greatness. And so as I've been preaching through that, gone back to Luke Acts and showed how those who want to be great are rebuked. Okay. Okay. The, the disciples argue about who's the greatest. Jesus rebuked them. Yes. Because we can't know that. And you, look, you have these lists of gifts that include things that are more supernatural and things that are rather ordinary. Okay. Like hospitality. Yes. And rather than claiming how great and powerful we are, we by love serve one another, and God uses us. The Christian life is supernatural and by the Spirit, by the very nature of being the Christian life. Okay. The reason this is confusing is that we have Christendom. Right. So you have millions and millions and millions yea, even billions of people who say they're Christian who aren't even born of God. Okay. They don't even believe that there's such a thing as having uh, the assurance of eternal life. Okay. Serving religion or they're 
emergent. All oh, right. It's your judgment. Or the Roman Catholic, and they're serving that system of bondage. Yeah. And they reject the gospel many times when it's preached to them. Although a lot of people get saved out of Rome. So Christendom is not Christian. Okay. Uh, uh, I've been saying that a lot. Well, and, and some of it is just Western civilization appears to be Christian. But Jesus didn't die to save a civilization. Well, that's what some people think he did. That's the Dominionists, which are linked out many times to the NAR. And we saw those decrees. We talked about that. Yes. They made all these decrees about America. Now the election came. Hardly any of that actually happened. Right. So here's the confusion. Many, many people are in churches, even evangelical ones, who aren't even born of God because the gospel isn't preached. Okay. They're not proclaiming the terms of the gospel, the person and work of Christ. They're not doing biblical binding and loosing. They're not doing church discipline. And so this is going on. That's on the table for my sermon week from Sunday. I'm preaching on a passage where Paul's telling them to do that. Okay, now, okay. Given that, the charismatic movement comes along and certain gifts happen. And I believe many people are indeed born of God. I know people who came to the Lord in that movement. Okay. But they were assuming they were Christian before. Right. But in fact, they were not. Okay. They were Catholic, Lutheran, Presbyterian, whatever they were, Methodist. And they were baptized as a baby or they had been joined at 12 years old and did all that. They received the Spirit, and they think it's a second blessing, when in fact, it's probably conversion. Okay. And I, that was a lot of the people that I knew when we were in the Charismatic. And most of them look back and realize they really weren't serving God at all before. Okay. So those who are born of God are Spirit-filled, and are gifted. Right. Not a second blessing. Yes. The Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. Okay. And believing the Bible, believing the word of God, believing the gospel, proclaiming it with boldness, that's the prayer Paul asked for. Yes. Ephesians 6. And seeing God at work, providentially, supernaturally is indeed a work of the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit is a born-again Christian praying to God according to the relationship we have with Him as our Father who cares for us and who hears us and who gives us what we need, whether we understand what that is or not. We talked about that with the Lord's Prayer. Yes. So... Equating speaking in an unknown tongue that neither the people hearing you or even your own self knows may or may not be of the Spirit. Right. And really, that's kind of the opposite of what we see in Romans 8. If we look at verses 26 and 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, 
But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Right. That's quite the opposite of what we're reading in this book. Okay, so praying in the Spirit isn't about first getting a revelation about what Satan is doing or not doing. Right. We know in general what he's doing. Yes. Tempting, he's accusing and opposing the preaching of the gospel. Yes, exactly. And that's why Paul prayed for boldness, asked for prayer for boldness. Okay. And he's also contradicting the truth of the Bible. The message of the Bible is the truth. Right. And that's about the personal work of Christ. Okay. A lie is you will be like God. You don't need to listen to God. You can be a God. Right. A lie. Go read uh, John chapter eight. Jesus, I am the way that I am the truth. Okay. And then uh, he, he, re they ended up attacking him and saying he was from the devil. Yes. Okay. So you don't need to know the details of the world of the spirits to be praying in the spirit. Right. Okay. And it says here, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except for by the Holy Spirit. Now, I've written about that, and we did a video about it. Yep. How to discern a true work of the Spirit. Yes, you can find that at the front page of the CIC site. Right. Now, it doesn't mean you can't utter the words, because I've seen uh, cultists say Jesus is Lord. Right. They have Jesus only, deny the Trinity and deny the uniqueness of Christ or whatever. It doesn't mean utter the words. Okay. He's proclaiming the truth. Yes. Of the person and work of Christ. Okay. What he did, why we need him. Now, um, no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is a curse. I may have covered this, but I thought about this. What about someone who says, um, you, have, you are cursed, possibly, even if you're a Christian, because you may have an ancestor who was in the occult, and you need a revelation to get yourself uncursed. Right, and we see that a lot. Or we saw earlier in this chapter of the book, Dutch Sheets said if we're not tithing 10%, we're opening ourselves up to a curse. Okay, so in the biblical understanding of corporate solidarity, okay, those who are in Christ have solidarity with Christ. He's the head, we're the body. Yes. That's 1 Corinthians 12. Calling a fellow Christian cursed is flat out wrong. Right. It okay. is. Calling a fellow Christian cursed because they have a worse outcome in some circumstances of their life is wrong. That's being a Job's comforter. Okay. And saying that Jesus Christ lost his divinity on earth or laid it aside, the kenosis doctrine, which is attached to a lot of the people that either are or have been in the New Apostolic Reformation or the Word of Faith movement, is actually wicked. Okay. 
It would make me think they have a different Jesus. Uh, yeah, I think they do. Jesus, whose deity is contingent on something outside himself, is not God because God is eternal and non-contingent. Right. And so I've written about that. Now, the, the person who comes and says, you are cursed because you have bad outcomes. And if you learned how to get revelations from God, if you learned how to really pray in the spirit, which by implication would be either according to some special revelation of something you couldn't ordinarily know or in unknown tongues, then you get a bad outcome because you don't really pray in the spirit. Okay. So, so then it's just shaming Christians for having troubles. It's it's, it's so much confusion. People, uh, again, I was in that in the 70s. I run into people who never got out of it. Okay. And the confusion has got only gotten worse. Yes. As they get older, they start having really bad outcomes like most people do. Oh, right. At some point. Yeah. Um, and they think, well, what did I do wrong? That's always the response. What did I do wrong? Okay. People say, well, I was trying to make a business deal. So I started speaking in tongues. And then the guy agreed to the deal. So there, that caused it. All right. You can't know that. Right. Now, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, that if you all prophesy, and prophesy doesn't mean speaking out secrets that you wouldn't know. All right. That's a revelation. It's bringing forth valid biblical implications and applications from Scripture, particularly about Christ and the gospel and its applications in the church. Okay. And if you do that, he said, if someone who's ignorant or an unbeliever uh, sees that, this is an ideal case. They fall on their face. Say, God is among you. Yes. Why? Because they're exalting Christ. Okay. I see that happening. If if the uh, prophets and apostles would quit all of this binding the spirits and claiming this and claiming that and binding governmental entities and claiming this and just preach Christ, they'd see way better outcome. Why won't they do it? Why won't they tell people about the blood atonement, once for all cleansing, the forgiveness of sins, the hope of eternal life, God's providence, God's promise that no matter what happens, nothing can separate us from the love of God because the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Son intercedes for us. We are safe. Yes. And nothing is separated from the love of God. But you'd never hear that. No. Just this week, someone in that movement, whose emails come out and I'm on the list, had a, a teaching about how you can send angels to go get you money. <laughs> right. <laughs> I said that to Jessica. Look at this one. Yeah. This is a nationally known guy. Wow. The angels to go get you money. Now, that's really how people know a true work of the spirit. So, and, and I think part of what we need to realize is all of these things they are saying, they actually aren't praying in the spirit. They aren't, they talk about being spirit led, but they actually aren't being led by the spirit because 
you have to be born again. And when you are, and you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you will pray according to the will of God, as it says here, and you will preach Christ. Right. And various people have various gifts. And it's always good to use those and to care for one another. One thing there's also is overlooked. Okay. Uh, this has been so clear as I've been teaching through Acts, Luke Acts, and then 1 Corinthians, is that the danger that faces everyone all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the very first temptation that led Adam and even then Adam in a sin, is pride. Yes. That is more dangerous than anything. Okay. Status, uh, consciousness, keeping score. I am the greater one. It comes up again and again in the book of Luke, and Jesus rebukes it. He says the hypocrites do that. They pray long prayers on the street corner, be seen of men. That was what was going on in Corinth. I'm a Paul. I'm a Peter. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Christ in some way. All Christians are. I have the better gifts. I have this. I said that. I did that. He's rebuking them. Okay. We have emails coming out from apostles and prophets claiming the sort of thing Paul rebukes. Yes. Now, why are the prophets and apostles who are claiming great status, masters of the destinies of nations? So okay. they. Yes. Why can they not see that the one thing that will, will quench the spirit, that will harm the body of Christ, that will damage people who love Christ and cause harm, horrible harm, is their own pride and consciousness of being greater than ordinary Christians. Right. They don't even see that. They don't think about it. They don't care about it. Because if they did, they'd have to renounce most of everything that they're doing. Absolutely. Can you give us a quick 30-second wrap-up? Dear saints, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and are trusting him and believing his promises, your sins are forgiven, you are in the Spirit. And if you take action about things that come to your mind that are within your liberty, and if there are things that would be beneficial to anyone, you are following Christ. You are hearing from God. And God is using you whether you realize it or not. And we need to get that through our minds and not look for some extraordinary experience in the realm of the spirits. So trust Christ. Make decisions within your liberty. Avoid the things that God says not to do. And you pray in the spirit and care for people and God will use you. All right. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. I'm Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.